I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep. The podcast where two brothers watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. Welcome to today's episode where we watch the directorial debut from Amir Questlove Thompson, Hulu's original Summer of Soul. A documentary featuring the long-lost footage of the 1969 Harlem Cultural Festival with some of the greatest musical acts in the world. I think it's fair to say we both love this movie, and you should check it out. It is so good, and it is streaming now on Hulu. Oh, happy day. (laughs) Oh, happy day indeed. If you haven't already, go get on Hulu and watch Summer of Soul, and then join us for our conversation already in progress. Let's jump in, sleepy, oh, sleepy heads. All right. Okay, Mitchell, um, we're getting into Summer of Soul. Um, Before we, well, what'd you think of the movie? I loved it. Loved it. I know. Was there any doubt? No, you can tell. You can tell by the posters. The posters were good. The movie's going to be good. That's why Pig is going to be great. I can't wait for Pig. Um, So we'll get into Summer of Soul, but I want to ask you a question because this is our first documentary. And it's a unique documentary for sure. But what's your relationship to documentary films? Um, It's not my strength. I've not seen many. Sure. I'm trying to think of like recent ones like I, I feel like I've started a bunch of did you watch like, the Ic- oh the Icarus Rising or whatever the yeah like yeah. I started that one like like I watched maybe it's probably The Last Dance oh but man, how good is The Last Dance I mean that's that's just so you know and like maybe there's something to um because I'm thinking similarly to Summer of Soul just the film footage yeah. looks so good yeah and really like pulls me along yes um, yeah, and, and Last Dance is this similar thing where there was this unprecedented access camera crew filming that last season. Right, it's like they, unearthed. And they never used the footage. footage. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a big, uh, I like the past. Yeah. I like context. And so that's, it's hard for me to get gripped by a modern day documentary. That's why the OJ Made in America documentary is one of my favorites of the last 10 Which, years it's that really long it was like an espn thing yeah yeah have you seen that i remember one? everyone no oh, i heard yeah only good things about and, it and 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 for me as a kid who grew was 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 just five six years old during the oj trial like i knew about the oj trial like i definitely knew about it in like the broadest in, sense in, of in that there was a guy who was who who should have been guilty, right? That was the narrative around me. There's a guy that did something. Yeah. And, but I had... I had <laughs> anyway, back to Zelda. <laughs> yeah, back to my video games. But I had no idea. And so, like, the OJ Made America one gives you... The whole first hour and a half is this episode about him as a college athlete and winning the Heisman Trophy. And, all, I mean, just this stuff that is not a part of the OJ narrative anymore because right. of, you know, how, how, it, you know, how much infamy he gained for other things later in life. Um, and it just made me, it it made me appreciate like, oh, this is why this was a big deal because he was famous, not for murdering someone. He was, Mm -hmm. he was actually just famous. (laughs) Right. And that was context I didn't have, which, which documentaries I think 
It's like if LeBron murdered someone tomorrow. <laughs> but all our kids like, ever know what? about it. <laughs> but, but all our kids ever know about him is that he murdered someone and not that he was this incredible player. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but but that, I think that is something I really love about a documentary in terms of that contextualizing maybe something that we know, an event, right. an event you know. Um, There's an urgency to the unearthed, you know, yeah. like there's almost like like finally justice yeah. in that this is being seen by people now. It's it's like and I haven't watched it yet, but the MLK FBI documentary that came out this past year oh. that explores uh the FBI's relationship with MLK when he was alive and kind of as how they were pursuing him and how they were trying to kind of entrap him and all of that. But that's a different like kind build, of builds the case yeah for, and yeah. and kind of some some new tapes and new documents and uh kind of bringing that to light and so it's mm-hmm. this kind of recontextualizing someone that we know so well in our kind of modern myth making uh right as as you know mlk but like this really exploring an aspect uh that is to- going to be totally unknown to people yeah, have you ever t- taken Strength Finders test? I've never, everyone, I've never like, done Strength Finders, but I'm familiar with it. Yeah, or like most companies or churches or whatever. Yeah. Um, but one of my biggest ones is context, which mm, is interesting. Again, like looking to the past to like glean meaning from it and apply it to what's going on now. Yeah. You know what 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 is there to be learned or experienced? Yeah. Um, and I think like my, my next one under that was like looking to the future. Yeah, interesting. Um, but I'm always more drawn to, like I said, like if it's a documentary, like there's there's some there's some magic in Summer of Soul of this epic, uh, like Woodstock equivalent, as it's said at the beginning, mm-hmm. but even even more expansive. It feels like oh, yeah. that is then just forgotten. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And. So yeah, like immediately when they're like the same summer of Woodstock, this other insane event that's all these people that went on to have the biggest and brightest careers oh in their respective uh, genre. It's it's pretty pretty fascinating yeah. to watch it unfold. Yeah. Um. So I just kind of we can wrap up the our, this conversation about documentaries because I, I think you and I are in that similar space of. Yeah, I was gonna say, are you a big consumer of docs, um, or or is it kind of like the last dance where it's like when one that is talked about enough, significant enough? Yeah, it's probably kind of, that. I find I find that there is such a um, there's there are so many documentaries that exist. Yeah. That, I, but and I don't really want to waste my time on. The, I feel like like 2013 was a hot year for documentaries <laughs> on Netflix. Well, because we Netflix we all had like, it. yeah, but like that was when everyone was getting Netflix as like a streaming yes. thing, and that was like they they really built the foundation of their streaming service when it was becoming popular with cheap documentaries. Right, like I feel like I watched so many like yeah. Like minimalist living yeah. or juicing diet <laughs> document, like yes. the most random stuff I would never even consider watching yes. now. But then I was like, oh, look at all this stuff. I do love the Helvetica documentary about the font. Uh, it's, well, of course, it's so so classic, a uh, classic in the field. <laughs> um, and so I don't know. I it's it's weird because like 
documentary is something that I actually got to kind of study specifically. I took a couple of documentary film classes mm. in school, and so I, I, I have an awareness of the uh, kind of gamut of what documentary has been in the, in the history of film. So like mm. a series like Documentary Now, right? You've seen Documentary Now. Right. Which is, right. For, for those who don't know, it's Bill Hader and Fred Armisen, and every episode is basically a spoof, a very serious and specific affectionate spoof of some documentary real real doc a real doc yeah but yeah. but they are spoofing the style the filmmaking style the the storylines everything and they're doing their impressions of uh, the characters yes yeah it's a chance for them to do the the uh, great gardens <laughs> the great gardens but also like the bill clinton election uh, War Room uh, documentary mm. and Bill Hader to just do his James Carville impression for uh, 45 minutes. <laughs> right. um, like, so I watch documentary now and, and I kind of, at the very least, understand a, a lot of the references and if not mm-hmm. like to real familiarity with a lot of films that they're spoofing. Um, right. But I just think contemporary documentaries is not a, a genre that I pursue unless it's something like Last Dance. I try to get the Oscar ones um, so like Honeyland from a couple years ago, um, yeah. is really good. Um, that started auto playing after Summer of Soul finished. Oh, that's for us. that's so funny. Uh, well, yeah. and actually, and I yeah. So we don't typically do recommendations on the podcast. I mean, I think we we have occasionally, um, but like if documentaries are if you're looking for some really good documentaries, um, Collective, which is streaming, I believe, on Hulu. Um, was an Oscar nominee this year, and it's an insane doc about like this just layers and layers and layers of corruption in, I think it's Romania, so it is a foreign language documentary, but uh, one of the best movies that I've seen in years is a movie mm. called Time on Amazon Prime. Did you ever get to, a chance to see Time? Mm-mm. So Time, it's a documentary, and they, they're following this woman whose husband has been in prison for... 25 years or something, 30 years, something, some uh, really long time, man, it's tw- 20 years for, for some pretty low level theft kind of a deal. Um, mm-hmm. And she's been fighting for his release basically since he got put in prison. And she's a single mom raising his kids, trying to be an advocate. And the director follows her, interviews her, interviews her doing speaking tours and that kind of thing as she's trying to raise awareness for her husband and other things. But at one point, the filmmakers found hundreds of hours of home video footage that this woman took over the years as her husband was in prison. And it seems as though initially the videos were meant to be like, hey, honey, I'm recording this for you. And her talking to him in the first month of him being in prison, in the first two years of that, and documenting these life events and so I think maybe 65, 70% of the movie ends up being the home video footage. And mm. it's all about recontextualizing this home video footage of the last 20, 25 years. And right. the, literally the theme of the movie is about time and how... Oh, yeah, I did hear about yeah, that. Yeah, and one. how extraordinarily painful... And long time is when we're in a trial, when we are waiting, when we're going through something. Right. And, uh, but, but then like how, how we experience time in the midst of that and how we experience it on the other side of that, um, 
that movie to because this whole conversation as we're just starting about what documentaries have meant to us i think um for us in particular really about recontextualizing time and this amazon movie time does that literally in this right. beautiful way i time is is an amazing movie go go watch time but we're not here to talk about time we're here to talk about summer of soul summer of soul did you you had never i assume you never heard of this event <laughs> Right. <laughs> the, Much like ninety nine point nine percent of the world. The Harlem Cultural Festival. This, this is a, it's it's a it's an interesting documentary because it is uh, ostensibly a music doc, a concert documentary. But that's not what it is. I think it, he kind of Trojan horses you, where it's it's almost being billed as a uh, concert documentary for the Harlem Cultural Festival. And right. Questlove. It's it's directed by Questlove. It's his first. It's his first directorial yeah, debut. His directorial debut. He's a drummer on the roots. He's amazing, um, and he kind of Trojan horses in this incredible documentary about cultural commentary. Because it's cultural commentary of the black experience in America in 1969, but also now and now, of course. Yeah. Um, Speaking of time, in <laughs> in a in the Trojan horse of a concert doc. <laughs> Yeah, like it's yeah, it's I, I mean, I listened to the interview with him on the big pick, but mm. him kind of talking about the four different areas he's trying to hit, which is, you know, the black experience in America during this time, but also specifically what's going on in Harlem, but also specifically covering these like like wildly popular but not necessarily at this time musical acts that yeah. go on to have like like he said there, there's like there's the people that know the names or like have heard the songs but they don't know who they're by but then you're watching the doc you're like yeah i have heard this song yeah and then there's the people who are like no i know they're i'm like big fan of other stuff and then there's this like next level pass of like wait what did they do they were all on the same stage in the same day yeah all these artists coming together it's just and it wasn't like, it I'm, wasn't just musicians it was you know, political activists. It was right. civil rights activists. He talked activists. about comedians. They had to cut some of that oh stuff out. Oh my gosh! Out, they, but... He had twenty minutes, a twenty-minute segment that he cut from the movie, just about black comedy in the sixties. Right. Like, I mean, I think totally said they had fifty hours of footage to get yeah. through to yeah. like whittle down. Yep. Which I can't imagine that task. No. Like, it, it would be so tempting to turn this into a you know a, a last dance, like an eight-part yeah. series. Yeah. Well, and that's what. Uh, you know, I, I think about another recent doc um, that I liked a lot. Is the, I mean, because I like some of the Ken Burns stuff, but it's so his Vietnam War documentary that he did for PBS, but it's like a 13-part documentary. Like, It's a mountain to climb. Yeah, and, and that's, I think, is one of the things I actually love about Summer of Soul is the constraint that Questlove shows in... Right. Say, hey, we're going to deliver this in a way that you can just sit and watch for two hours. You you don't have to come back yeah. next week. I, I found myself um, hungry for more storytelling mm. of like, like even when it's first set up of like the very same summer of Woodstock, there was this other event, you know? Yeah. And it was almost like, uh, like I, I don't even know the significance of Woodstock. I know. Like I, I should, you know? Um, but it was almost framing it like, the, like, that Woodstock's a footnote compared to what, sure. like the artists that were here yeah. and what it meant for the city. Yeah, and um, like I found myself as I'm watching, like oh, I want to know way, way deep dive more on all this stuff. Yeah, but 
then you start giving yourself over to the movie and it really is an emotional yeah concert doc like the like one obviously the songs he chooses to show you and like let you hear yeah but like the editing and the specific specific cuts of songs because there's rarely a full song in, yeah in the doc yeah um and so you're like th- there's a certain part where um and again <laughs> mitchell's trope of not knowing names um so mavis staples um and mahalia jackson yeah are seen like kind of a duet but not really they're kind of just riffing together over the mic and it's so emotive and oh so gosh. intense and i'm kind of standing like on the edge of my seat as if it's an action movie yeah because it's like how much more can these people pour out yeah. of themselves on the stage right now yeah um and so yeah it, despite my thirst for well, you know more historical context you start just like accepting like the beauty of these performances and at the same I, time at the same time yeah. there's this incredible storytelling that he inserts into these things because the whole thing with the Mahalia Jackson performance is this there's this hymn basically that was right. Dr. King's favorite hymn right. and it was literally one of the last things he ever said before he was shot was about wanting to hear this song right and i didn't know that that of course maybe that's a common story i've never heard that and he was murdered just a year before this concert took place exactly and so the emotional context of you have these civil rights leaders on the stage you have these amazing performers then performing the song and then that moment where mahalia jackson says says um to what's the other woman's name uh mavis staples yeah mavis staples i'm not feeling so so good i i really need you to step into this and and even more context mahalia is kind of a hero to to mavis like they sing together but mahalia is kind of like the vet the veteran you know (laughs) and i'm like i'm like why 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 haven't they already made a movie about this moment right this is incredible i think that as i was watching it i was i i want this background story for every moment I know of of this festival yeah. you know and I guess that's where I'm coming from because it's not fair for me to be like I wanted more storytelling because there's obviously a lot going on here but I mean sign of any good movie you want a lot more of it you I, know? and I think I think that's is exactly what you said it's a mark of how well he's succeeding succeeding that mm-hmm. he at basically every turn you're like oh no I want more of that can we can we stay here for a sec and, and he's like, yeah. no, we're moving along. We're moving along. It, yeah. And, and and for me, that moment that you highlight is what I appreciate it because those are stories I don't know. And that was one of the things that I felt an overriding sense here in this doc was uh, these were stories that I've never heard before, stories that haven't been told. And and I'm not talking just about the, the artists that I've never heard of before. I You know, even even the artists that I have heard of like the Stevie Wonder stuff, all mm-hmm. of that stuff is like, who's telling these stories? And even the, the intro with Stevie Wonder with a, like, vicious drum solo, like your context for Stevie Wonder is like a piano player. Yeah, uh, yes, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, Singer, oh, you know? this is 19-year-old Stevie Wonder. This is insane. And yeah. and, it, and it was interesting because I was at the movie theater on Friday and... Uh, I had I saw the trailer for the um, Aretha Franklin documentary with Jennifer Hudson. Mm. Uh, not documentary. Is, is that 
Is that on Hulu too? No, no, it hasn't come out yet. Okay, this I is, just saw something for on Hulu about Aretha Franklin. Maybe it's a different doc. It may be the Amazing Grace documentary. Um, mm. This is a biopic. This is a biopic. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. oh, okay. Starring Jennifer Hudson as Aretha Franklin, and it's kind of gotcha. like, like, oh yeah, that's the that's the mainstream popular version. It's we're telling Aretha's story because she is the the queen of of everything, right? Like, and, right. and it's like, oh no, there's there's dozens hundreds of other stories of other performers right. of other artists each each as interesting and as deserving uh to be told as as aretha like i'll go see the aretha franklin doc- biopic keep going doc. right it's like as i was watching i was like all right why didn't you do a half hour on stevie wonder's career I, <laughs> following this too yes yeah, yeah. and then i then i realized I it's not vh1 behind the music <laughs> it, yeah it he and and he shows such great restraint in 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 just kind of uh, narrowing his focus what let, let me ask something because i was listening to that quest love interview about this movie yeah. and he was talking about the the guy that he interviews at the beginning and end who sandwiches mm-hmm. the movie together yeah Masad, was saw jackson yeah who was five years old yeah. and he went to this festival back in the day when he was five and so he has a few people outsider performers Actually, this guy might be the only one that wasn't a performer or like related to a performer that was there. I think there's a few other attenders because there's some women that talk about like they had to sneak out of the house and lie to their oh, parents. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like very few people, though, who were like there yeah. to talk about it, yeah. you know? And, um, and I'm not realizing like uh, when Questlove put out the tweet of trying to find people yeah. and it's like there's so few and he finds this guy who's five years old and it was like the first memory he's he had on the planet yeah. you know and he thought he was going crazy because he's telling people no this is the thing that happened like yeah stevie wonder nia simone the temp like the fifth dimension you know it's like they were all here yeah <laughs> you're like no that doesn't exist nothing and so in hindsight because i listened to that interview after the movie like even those interviews with with that guy are so much more meaningful to to like experience. Yeah. And so I was I was just thinking about it though of like maybe I didn't know that context for him. Like I knew he like it, said, it talks about in the doc that he was five and you know he was there. Yeah. But kind of knowing a little bit more history, like really enriches my my yeah. view of the movie post. Yeah. And I'm just uh, like I'm curious what you think about the well, value of something like that, uh, of like, what, like knowing that information from like an interview. Like let, let's say you watch a movie and like even just a normal non doc, and then you hear so much more about the story that got it there, or like the actors, you know what it, you know, whatever this the the why that's injected, and then you're it enriches your experience of it. But let's say on first viewing, I'm not saying this for summer soul at all, mm. but you weren't crazy about it, and then like learning more maybe pushes you into enjoying something more yeah i mean i think i i think i find that happening all the time and i feel a little bit of conflict with it because i want the work to stand on its own yeah that's what i'm curious about but is like you you don't want some you don't want to have to do that deep dive for it to be great but 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 it it makes it great sometimes yeah but you know it's kind of what we talked about last week with Soderbergh where he kind of plays with your expectations of like a movie star let's say and so in that example 
you know, you carry with you all this baggage of like, oh, it's a so-and-so movie and that's what this means. And it's either going to play into it or subvert my expectations. And I can't take away the fact that I've seen every Brad Pitt movie over the last 20 years right. when I go in to see the next one. And right. in the same way, I can watch this and then, hey, I actually loved the movie. So I see a Questlove interview in my podcast feed. I'm going to listen. And right. now I'm going to enjoy it even more. Uh, I I don't I don't have a I don't have a problem with it. I, yeah, I, I, I like as I was thinking about it today, because I wanted to ask you about this. Yeah. My, the conclusion I was coming to in my head is like, who cares? Like, it, well, sure, but n- not who cares as in like this is a dumb question, but who cares? Like, if if it gets you to yeah. engage with the thing more, yes. But like, but there is definitely like a stream of you know criticism. It, not right mean, exactly like film criticism like, that says no the work is the work and and that's the only thing you should consider and right. i i turned that movie on i turned summer of soul on and this guy and they he they put his name on the on the screen this is Masad jackson and i'm like is this a person i'm supposed to know who he is like right I, i'm i'm trying to i'm like he could be a music executive he could be like is he a right. is he the, a child of a performer like I have a, a soul historian. Yeah, I have exactly. I'm like, as it turns out, no, he was just five years old and he went to a concert. <laughs> yeah, and that you're right makes it all the more enjoyable. But the movie does such a good job of presenting him with a sense of uh, there's a, like an urgency or an authority or there's a weight to this person, and right. and that's the power of good filmmaking. He communicated it without having to give me this story of like, this is Musa Jackson and he was five years old and we're going to see what he has yeah. to say. Like that, that is the, it's the same thing of showing us without telling us. Right. And, and, and it's so impressive that Questlove does this in a documentary where so right. much of the form is telling. It's like, I can get interested in anything if someone is really excited about it. And ha- has so much love for a thing. Yeah. Like, I could get into, like, you know, I don't know, car mechanics if the person who's, like, wanting to show me is, like, dude, this is oh, yeah. this is why this is a game changer. Like, the catalytic converter, even, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> to tie it back to no sun move. And so it, this movie is, like, having a friend who is, a like, encyclopedia of music history, yeah. like, pulling things into your your view and saying look at this you need to see this yes absolutely like this is worth your time to listen to and sit with he's drawing you into asking the questions and to feeling what he wants to feel because i think so much of this movie is about feeling and not necessarily the facts yeah I, I think if Questlove has had uh, if he had his three-hour director's cut it would be a lot of facts yeah a lot of truth i think i re- i realized that a little late because we also watched the first like 20 minutes Mm -hmm. and then two days later finished it Mm -hmm. and i think that did not serve my experience well Mm, interesting because like it's such a an emotional journey and the intro is so like a slap in the face of awesome yeah the the stevie wonder like yeah and and because there's a lot of history and and um like guiding through different artists and it's like to break to break that up and slice it up is 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 or like it's you're already trying to track with everything and try to for fit sure. into where the history is for sure so um 
I yeah, I I was very impressed because it was it was not what I was expecting, but yeah. I was drawn in immediately. And I think it was both those things. It's that first Stevie Wonder performance that draws me into the concert footage. I'm like, oh geez, this is special. Like this is crazy. And it's that first interview with the guy who was there when he was five, looking at that monitor of that footage. And I'm like, oh, great. Like I'm, I'm here for yeah. this. This is awesome. Um, yeah. And I love that there's so many moments where he could like, and rightfully so, you know, really lean into some more like political messaging mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he doesn't avoid it at all, but it's so obvious that the love for the music is what's most important yeah. to Questlove, you know? And I feel like he's he's really careful to let the performances and the context of the day be yeah. the thing that is the political commentary. Yeah, and be the thing that's celebrated and, yes. and you know... And and like, you're you're watching it and you're like, oh, it's crazy how little has changed. <laughs> right. It's crazy how this situation applies today. But like nobody's really spelling that out. Right. There's there's no footage of the riots from last summer in this movie. Right. Which I mean, th- there's a great thesis I think that wraps up like even the experience of watching this. I forget. It's one of the Talking Heads. Um, like interviews i forget the context for the guy i don't even know if they say um but he was talking about like in these songs you're feeling the pain that this these communities are experiencing and when you give yourself over to like open yourself up to feeling that pain along with this like beauty and celebration Mm. of the songs like you don't really need to be told hey this is all the like crappy stuff that's going on in the world yeah and like here's here's the nitty-gritty details as to how that how we got here it's like you feel it you know it because you're hearing it you know you're hearing people pour themselves out on stage yeah and and i appreciated just how organic all of the segments felt that Mm -hmm. one of my favorite segments in the movie is the because it was that summer that um we landed on the moon and mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. even in my phrasing of that, I say we landed on the moon. I wasn't alive. Uh, and but the people at the Harlem Cultural Festival would not say we landed on the moon. They, yeah. they would say uh, those white guys landed on the moon. They're like, yeah, black people don't care about that. <laughs> no, no. And, why? Well, like, why? <laughs> what is there to care about? It's like great. Anyway, life sucks here. <laughs> but what I loved about it was. There was, a, there was a real reason to touch on the moon landing. Right. It, yes, it was an event that happened in July of 1969, but it actually made sense in the context of the moon landing didn't matter in, at all to, to these people in Harlem because right. they had the Harlem Cultural Festival and that mattered more. What was happening right. in Harlem that summer was more momentous than right. anything that was happening on the moon. And there was such a like precision oh. like like inst like it, there's just footage of an interviewer going around be like so what do you think about the moon and they're like what? yeah i don't care about that that doesn't affect me and and, and like ever that's like everyone's response yes it's so like immediate and they were and the, the, all the like really good messaging like yeah but there's people suffering here and yeah like just reflective like hierarchy of needs yes. it's like yeah, I can't be bothered to work up some excitement for this thing no. 
that is so many steps removed from affecting my life yeah. and affecting the lives of people around me. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I, you know, I just, I, he did such a good job of letting the things organically come from the actual events. And mm-hmm. it reminds me of like the, the really good way that Mad Men would weave in real events into the show that yeah. he was really intentional. Like, yeah, we're only going to do it if it makes sense. If, right. if 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 it makes sense for these characters to experience this thing and be affected by it. We're not gonna do a whole episode just like just them reacting purely. Yes. But yeah, it, it, it's like they'll draw out some beautiful themes that are already being woven yeah, for the characters. Because the, the moon landing episode of Mad Men is one of my favorites. And uh, but and it was such a momentous event, it's like it's hard to avoid in a show that you know is taking place during that time period but that's not what the, that episode is about that's not why i love that right. episode like right. that becomes the backdrop to tell a story and i think that's what he does here also yeah yeah and even the like it, it's funny he'll go from that uh mavis and mahalia mm-hmm. he'll go from their performance and then like a couple songs later it's uh you know sheila e who is a monster female drummer famous for drumming with heels like taking her heels off and using those drumsticks um but like she's analyzing different conga players techniques oh oh my gosh and it's like i get a slice of that and i'm like dude Questlove could literally there's there's so many details that he could do deep dives on Mm -hmm. like down to every like band member like oh well the horn player for slime they're actually connected to you know and yeah, I'm constantly like, man, if he's if he's gonna bring someone in just to talk about different conga techniques, <laughs> which is a thing I did not consider <laughs> once in my life, and how those different techniques are connected to people's different cultural backgrounds. <laughs> yeah, it's like, golly, make this eight episodes, please. No, I mean, and you listen to him talking about, it, he's like, oh, and this this footage of this band and this guy is on is in is in the band for this one performance and blah blah blah, and I'm like, what, like. These are people that, like, I know the name Sly and the Family Stone, and I recognize a song or two, but, like, Quest knows each personnel of this band. and He knows the weight (laughs) of every moment. Yes. Of that 50 hours, what it means. Why this is significant. Uh, I read a book last year. Do you ever read Michael Chabon? No. No. Um, I like some of his stuff, and then some of it feels a little, like, um, self-indulgent for me. Um, but he, he did a book called Telegraph Avenue that takes place in Berkeley, and it's two guys that run a record store, and, like, basically, like, the equivalent of a Walmart is coming in, and it's going to put them out of business or something. Um, and it's just pages and pages of, like, guys listen, listening to a record and talking about, you know, this performer that played on this one record and the blah, blah, blah. Like, Exactly as what, record store employees know. Yeah, sure, um, and and like this little community of like soul musicians in Berkeley, and like the book is fine, but it's like a world that he does paint this world that's like very attractive and idealistic that you would kind of like oh it would be like so fun to hang out with these guys, and you know Michael Chabon behind his like Wikipedia research of all these artists and stuff. But yeah. Summer of Soul feels like the real version of that. Like the re- yeah. the, the, the the actual guy in Questlove and his team 
who right. really do know these things and care and then are presenting it to you in a way that is so accessible. Yeah, it's not just researched. It's like breathed. Yeah. Like this is what he obsesses over. Yeah. It's funny. I, I applied to our local record store in high school uh-huh. for for high, a high school job, Dimple Records, rest in peace. And one of the interview questions was like, all right, top 10 favorite albums. And I'm like, was like thinking about it for like oh three days. Oh and I'm like, I've got to make sure I hit this and this and this. And then they never called me. And I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. Because <laughs> I, I would like talk to employees there and just the breadth of their knowledge. Oh. And even they looked like high schoolers. I'm like, okay, yeah. It's crazy. I don't quite live this life yeah. that these people do. Yeah. Just breathing breathing it in and out all day. Yeah. But it just And just constantly taking it in. I thought I heard not on uh, or I heard on a different Questlove interview a couple months back that like he kind of starts his day with just I think it's two hours of of music like a Spotify just random like he'll find one interesting thing that he hasn't heard and just let it play like how it auto you know just because he needs he like is constantly consuming and wanting stuff that he hasn't heard before you know man but it's like a crazy amount to devote to like. (laughs) just learning yeah yeah and 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 that is one of my big takeaways from the movie is just the care and affection that he actually has for this content and mm-hmm. and i think i think it comes across in the movie quest love really treats it as a privilege to be able to show this footage right like that that's an right that's a really cool thing about the movie yeah and even him being able to show it to some of the artists that yeah. were there and you get to see them react. Yeah. It's almost like they forgot that they were there yes. and they're performing. Yes. It, it's like, it, it's one of those, um, like, I don't know, YouTube type videos of like someone seeing colors for the first time. <laughs> sun, like when they put those sunglasses on. Yeah. You know? like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like so emotional, but it's like, yeah, you're watching people watch themselves from 40 years ago. Yeah completely just i don't know it, it, it it's a weird thing to unearth these memories mm-hmm. for for people mm-hmm. you know i like a weird beautiful thing yeah but to think that this event maybe was never going to be known or seen and it's also insane how the quality of the footage is yeah and and the sound like the mixing yes it and and not just like oh they had good cameras it's whoever was was shooting knew what they were doing and like cinematography wise like is so good that's what's baffling about it is that the cinematography is amazing and they they capture so many um like obviously the artist performing but then like even crowd shots and people responding there's that but then the mix is so good it's like all this work and and they even go into that of the production guys talking about yeah like like and like uh, original drawings of yes. the stage and, setup and the, the limitations because they didn't have any lighting. Yeah, and it was too hot and like all this stuff. And then to think that like all that went into it, and then someone just buried it. Oh, I know. You know? And that, I, I like that's another thing. I was like, why? Like, what was the gap here for this never being seen? Because well, nobody, you know? nobody wanted to pay for it. Is that is that like? Yeah, that was part of it. Was they no? There, there was nobody to put the money up to distribute it because they, they didn't think they could sell ads for it. So, cause that's what it, so that's crazy. what it would have been. It would have been on NBC or CBS or something. And, right. and none of the networks wanted to pay for it. 
Which is crazy. And, yeah, it's so crazy. And but it's really, really cool yeah. that something like this can happen. Yeah. And that, it it's it's really interesting to watch now because because nowadays I think any any one of the major networks would kill for something like this. Right. Uh, because I mean, they they would kill for it just to show how woke they are. Like Right, exactly. You know, that kind of now, now that it's become financially um you know incentivized beneficial. to yeah. yeah. It, it, it's I mean it's like it, it was like when Black Panther came out, right? Um the the Marvel movie came out. Mm, right. And right. it just destroys in the box office. And mm-hmm. everyone's like, Oh, Oh, the black superhero movie is going to make a lot of money. Well, who would have thought? <laughs> and, and, and like such a joke. Like the like there was a question, and and that's why we didn't get one for so many years, right? It's like it's the veil has been lifted, and this stuff is sellable. This stuff can turn a profit, right? And it's a shame. It's a shame that that I still think something like this would only would only be distributed. Not because I, there's some inherent value culturally, right. but because, oh, there's money to be made now. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing, like after a year of, you know, not really seeing people and, and I mean, even before COVID, just in-person experiences are rarer and rarer. Mm-hmm. And so like you're watching this like, man, I miss <laughs> live music. I miss like... We, we would go to the state fair as kids, and our parents would just go to, like, the blues corner of the I campground. Mean, the blues oh, and campground. beer garden. Yeah, and just, like, camp out there yeah. for the whole day. And we'd run around and do, like, pay too much money to play, you know, yeah. a carnival game or whatever. But, like, man, I just miss, like, whatever is happening of just watching someone perform. It's, like, it's so odd of why it's why it's compelling even if it's something you don't know or understand or like a genre you're not into but yeah there's still like so you are know. you longing for like live events because or music festivals because i tell you every time i see pictures of drunk girls at coachella i have no interest yeah that's that's the thing i don't like standing for a long time <laughs> but i miss feeling something from a person performing yeah like even just like the sense of family and community that's exactly being shown yeah of like this is worth it for us all to make this free yeah people need this it it was interesting i watched summer it's of like soul. so so purely a gift you know yeah i watched summer of soul the same weekend i watched in the heights and i mean very different movies and trying to do different things but what i liked about both of them is the way that they lin-manuel jump scare and yeah less yeah <laughs> lin-manuel shows up in summer of soul um but i love how they both communicate the sense of neighborhood and community in Harlem, in Washington Heights, in their respective, mm-hmm. you know, New York neighborhoods, basically, and right. and there is, and that is really um, that comes across really significantly in Summer of Soul. What this means mm-hmm. to these people in this community that this is this is a big deal for Harlem, right? Like people are so hungry for community that if you say the word Sacramento in a movie, I'm like, it's the best movie. Ever. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> a la ladybird ladybird is really good okay yeah it's good outside of that but you know what i'm saying yes. it's like man when most of your life is even doing what we're doing now like separated not in the same room yeah. like communication something like this feels so foreign and you're hungry for it yeah 
so we we have a not a crazy history with documentaries, but we do with music documentaries. Uh, a little bit, yeah. I I think we both have some significant early growing up significant music docs. Well, what's some for you? Well, I mean, obviously our dad loves blues music. Yeah. And uh, he would always put on Crossroads oh, Guitar yeah. Festival, yeah. which is Eric Clapton's. Uh, it's every three or four years he does it. Yeah. And it's just like a bunch of guitar player type, like usually blues, but like he'll, he, he'll have John Mayer on. You yeah. Know? And so, like, but we had this one DVD of it. It's 2007. And it's like BB King. Who is in Summer Soul? Who's in Summer Soul? Oh man, BB King in this. And it's crazy to compare even those two performances. Yeah. Um, you know, Eric Clapton, Johnny Lang is in it. Yeah. John Mayer's in it. Yeah. But then they'll have like Steve Vai, who's like a metal guy, Buddy Guy, who's our dad's favorite blues guy. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, he had it on a lot, and I did. I I grew up not understanding the music because it's you know, when you're in middle school or elementary school, it's kind of above your pay grade. Um, but when I started playing guitar in seventh grade, I started watching it more and, yeah. and like trying to actually take it in. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that that was like that specifically in that kind of blues genre was very important and played a lot in our house. Oh yeah. And I would say, I mean, the Crossroad festivals definitely is in a lineage of mm-hmm. the Harlem cultural festival and the stuff that's happening in several right. Soul. The guitar, the Crossroads Guitar Festival is literally thirty plus best, yeah. you know, blues musicians in the world coming together for like four days. Yeah, usually hosted by Bill Murray now, actually. Yeah, which is oh fun. yeah, Bill Murray always shows up too. I I have this memory of um, it was probably like right around two, year two thousand, um, going to a Borders bookstore. Remember, rest in peace, Borders. Right, and we had just gotten our first DVD player, and. We had The Matrix on DVD, and that was it. And of course, um, I remember going to Borders with Dad, and Dad was looking at concerts on DVD, and he, he and, and and like the selling point at that time, partially for DVD, was the special features, because you didn't have any of that with VHS. Like, right, it was on, something else to watch. There was there was there was. Uh, bonus featurettes, but there was also like subtitles as a special feature. Uh, right. And I remember like standing in a scene store. select. Yeah, scenes. Oh, scene chapter selection, um, audio commentaries. Um, I remember standing in a Borders and Dad holding. It was I don't even think it was an Eagles concert doc. I think it was a Don. I remember yeah. that Eagles concert. No, I, I think it's just a Don Henley one. I think it's just Don Henley by himself. And Dad saying, "Now, if we put this in the DVD player and put subtitles on, we could use this to do karaoke at the house, right?" <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious because he ne- he has never done karaoke in his life, and I, at least around us. <laughs> no, I've never seen him sing. Um, but I just love like like art. Isn't that a wild thing? I've never heard our parents sing ever. Yeah, I don't think. Have you ever heard them sing? I mean. We listened to Mick Martin's blues show every Saturday. Dad surely was like humming along. Uh, it that's a like all I do is sing like in a silly voice to Abel all day. <laughs> uh, it's just wild. I'm like having a like wait something was missing <laughs> moment. There was music missing. Um, just kidding. No, but I just I love 
I, I, I love that 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 uh, story. He's put for like what we thought DVDs he's connect, were. He's connecting the dots. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, now wait a minute. We could wait use this for karaoke. I'm like, sure, sure, Dad. I'm ten. I don't know he's what like, karaoke is. It's a karaoke machine, basically. <laughs> is what you're saying. All right, what I'm hearing from you. Oh my gosh, um, but but I and then there was another concert doc that Dad brought pretty early on DVD, and it was the U2 Rattle and Hum. DVD right and Rattle and Hump that was him who brought that in oh yeah and that probably sat in our house for 10 years before I knew who U2 was before it gained significance in your life yeah and and then I find out who U2 is and I remember one of my first conscious exposures to U2 was the was their performance of Where the Streets Have No Name on that DVD from somebody else not dad and and it being this uh, it's actually like, and B.B. King's on and that B. B. DVD. And B.B. King is in that documentary, too. <laughs> He's in the one we have one rule on this pod. <laughs> if it's a music doc, B.B. King's got to make a jump scare. B.B. King, my favorite moment in that is when he looks at Bono and he says, Now, I don't do chords. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's all right. We got you. Uh, but but the, like the first half of this, of the Rattle and Hum movie, is all in black and white. And mm-hmm. it's following them on their tour, and then it's pretty unique doc. Actually, it is. It it's it's not my favorite U two. It's not my favorite U two album, but the movie is right. really worth checking out because yeah. the performances of some of their older songs on that are really special. And yeah, and I, I remember the cut just being very unique. The what do you what do you mean? Like the edit of it. Yes, yes. So it goes from black and white, and then it cuts to this performance of Where the Streets Have No Name in Arizona in Tempe. And all of a sudden, it's this bright red of the back of, and then the rest of the movie's in color, and it just—it's it, this huge explosion of light and color in this song, and the way that this one guy—I mean, there's four guys—but really, Bono commands the attention of this enti- just I- enormous stadium, right. um, and and that's what I—that's what I love about a good filmed concert is yeah the. The transcendence. Yes, exactly. That them being able to communicate and film the transcendence of a concert of a moment, um, and and like we've all felt that when we go see live music and and different right. artists to different degrees. Like you and I saw Eric Clapton in Arco Arena, and we were mm-hmm. sitting in basically the last row in the arena, right? Like top, top, top level, and when Eric Clapton was playing. Nobody was doing anything else. Right. That guy commanded that room. It was amazing. Right. Yeah, and, and it's not like you and me were especially like Clapton heads. No. I mean, it was. Uh, I, I was old enough to understand, okay, Eric Clapton is awesome. but Right. Totally. Um, and that's what I see in Summer of Soul in the Mahalia Jackson stuff, in the, the, the way that Questlove talks about Sly and the Family Stone coming out and the people who don't didn't know who they were but kind of leaning in like, oh, this is important. Like, let's see what you got. Yeah. Like, or the, the drummer who's white, you know, one of yes. the few white musicians on yes. stage being like, all right, let's see what you can do. Yes, or, you know? or I think it's the one of my favorite and performances. Win, winning them over. Yeah. One of my favorite performances in the movie is the David Ruffin performance, the guy in that like velvet tux who comes out right. this hot June or July day. He destroys. And just, oh, it's amazing. And I, yeah, so so Rattle and Hum was a really significant concert doc for me, um, mm-hmm. and and I and that was, it was so interesting because it wasn't just the footage, but they used the movie to talk about 
like this basically Bono is an they're you know this Irish band but their immigrant story almost in America and how they mm. and how they relate to America they go to Harlem they do I still haven't found what I'm looking for with this Har- right. Harlem church choir they right. they do the blue stuff with BB King Harlem Cultural Festival it's all connected it's all connecting see um, but yeah so I think that like fairly early on this genre has you know meant something to us and it's funny because i never have talked to dad really about what blues music has meant to him like because that's his big genre you know yeah um but like we've never really talked about his music journey in that regard we just we just know he likes it he has it on well dad if you're listening email us we'll uh maybe have you on a bonus episode we'll watch rattle and hum as an episode oh gosh i would love that because even that like I feel like U2 wasn't a huge band for him. No. But, but that movie. We had the DVD. We had the movie. I liked the movie. Uh, right. The movie is important. Um, yeah, absolutely. And then I remember also buying from Borders John Mayer's uh, Where the Light Is concert DVD, which is three sets, yep. all him. <laughs> yep. Yes, yes. Acoustic, trio, blues band, and then full band. Yep. And I would listen to that. A lot. You, you know my my you know my most uh, salient memory of the John Mayer concert DVD was hit me. It is you bringing that with us to Hawaii on a family vacation and oh, right. spending a lot of time in a hotel watching that, watching that <laughs> instead of being outside, being outside by the ocean. You know, fairly still on brand for me. <laughs> uh, but that, I mean, yeah, I, I think there's so much like X band live at whatever. And it's kind of like a lot of throwaway yeah. stuff. Yeah. But right. For me, like the, there, there are these, these even just straight concert footage movies, basically like, um, what's the John Mayer one called? Where the light is. Yeah. Where the light is. That, that yeah. one's a really, that's a really special performance. Right, uh, it's a, it's a like, it, it is a feat. Yeah, it's not just a John Mayer show, because he's ripping ten minute solos. Yeah, almost every song, and, every set, and with the three different band setups. I mean, it, yeah, it's a significant thing, and and it's kind of like uh, peak of his power. Have you ever seen the Last Waltz, the Martin Scorsese concert doc with the the band? No. I think it's the band, and and the Last Waltz is. It's a concert by the band, and then there's like dozens of special guests. Like Bob Dylan shows up, Neil Diamond shows up, Van Morrison, Ringo Starr, like all these people, and and it's filmed and directed by Martin Scorsese. And part of me, so wild. Part of me is like, why is Martin Scorsese wasting his time? Because he's a he's a movie maker. And right. how hard is it? High cinema. How hard is it to put a camera on a stand and film a concert? But you go watch the Martin Scorsese directed, and he does the Rolling Stones one too. You go watch the Scorsese directed concert docs, and it's like, oh, this is different than so and so live in New York, right? Like, right. This is really special, and that's what struck me so much about Summer of Soul. We talked about this already, but the footage is so good. Yeah. And it doesn't it there's no reason for it to be as good as it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the uh Switchfoot live DVD that I had back in the day. Yeah, though. the live in San Diego one, which by the way my wife is in that movie. 
What? Yeah, my wife was at that concert, and she, you can find her if you watch that DVD. That's crazy. Yes, yes. That DVD's not good, by the way. No, no, it's so poor quality. <laughs> the mix is terrible. Oh, oh, oh. And, and terribly boring. Like, it's so boring the way it's shot. I remember thinking that as an eighth grader. <laughs> the Live in San Diego one, right? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's so bad. It sounds like crap. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. Um, unlike the Mute Math concert dvd we're just going to go through every concert dvd <laughs> we've ever seen flesh and bones though i do recommend if anyone's interested uh, any, any mute math fans out there i'm not really into them so much anymore but that was a good, a good show so uh any other closing thoughts on summer of soul um no i think we can transition to segments i do have a favorite shot and a, and a star rating and all of that um but what about segments. you? Segments. You good? Good to go to segments? Yeah, I'm good. Segments. Um, Still waiting on you, Andy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you have a favorite shot? You go first. Okay. My favorite shot is uh, it's the first shot in the movie. It's him, him showing the Harlem Cultural Festival footage to Musa Jackson, who was five years old, mm. and the 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 light of the monitor shining on this guy's face. And you can see in his eyes the mm. the uh, uh, his emotional response. The water, you know, he's about kind of being moved almost to tears to see this right. footage. And to me, it's it's both a beautiful shot, and they return to it later, so it's kind of a touch point throughout the film. And I think he closes the movie with that. Um, mm-hmm. But and so I think you take any of that, but it's such a beautiful moment in the context of the movie. The, right. the context that we've discussed this guy who was five didn't even really believe himself didn't trust himself with these memories right and because right. the ending where quest asks him like do you feel like you're not crazy now basically is what he says something like that yeah and the guy's like yes exactly yes. like i'm justified yes and so i thought it was so beautiful in the context of film but i also love that as a moment that shows the immense emotional power of filmmaking period right that to see light move across the screen can can touch someone in such a meaningful way right and and that's what that's what Questlove wants to do with this movie that's what any good filmmaker is trying to achieve i think yeah um and 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 kind of that reminder that it can be anything it mm-hmm. it can be concert footage it was in a basement for 50 years that's the thing that is reaching deep into this man and and touching him emotionally um but it could also be you know a a movie by the great you know by one of the great directors or whatever it is um yeah but just the 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 power of the medium a film and the way that quest captures that yeah you know i'm not sure if i have a favorite shot i because i have it on the background right now and there's some moments where he's editing very quickly in some like um like combination footage of what the story he's telling with with the song that's playing and it's it's that it's like that thing in um it's like tree of life almost like Mm, the film looks so good constantly that it's pretty hard to just narrow in on and even the footage he's showing something that stands out above the rest but i think i might come up with one for for the gram but 
Other yeah, other shots like, I really like, liked was any any time he put in footage of the audience. I it was a delay. Right. It, That's the other thing. It's like there's so many moments of even just someone like bopping along. People the guys like, sitting this in one the tree. Shot. Yeah, the guy and and he calls him out. He's yeah. like, "I see you, brother." Yeah. And it, and then there's like one shot where someone's just holding their baby up yeah. like Simba, yeah. <laughs> like just like baptize them in this music. Yes. Yeah, that stuff like I many, loved. Too, yeah, there's too many to count. Okay, let me ask you this: What are your what's your favorite performance in the movie? Um, so can I pick three? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you two. Oh man, the the David Ruffin performance really stuck out to me. Um, just in terms of quality, in terms of musicianship, this guy that just commands this massive crowd and he's just singing. Mm-hmm. Um, what's he, what does he sing? Do you remember? Is mm-hmm. it, um, it's a pretty, it's like, it's like I, my I girl mean, or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and like, for me, it was really significant because it's a song I'm so familiar with, but mm-hmm. it was kind of like going back again. we talked so much about context going back to the context of that song and this guy and this performer and and that that you know my experience with it is so far removed from him yeah and that um and and so it's just it's just a piece of pop culture ephemera like if you're a person basically over the age of 25 like you know that song right right but i feel like i know like a neutered version of it, that, that song. that's what i'm saying exactly it's this yeah it's it's probably a whitewashed version of that song but it's a sterile version of it and mm-hmm. to see the guy just perform it and just kill and and to like it's almost like kind of reclaiming it as this like incredible piece of like music and performance where mm-hmm. That kind of song, a lot of those songs, when I think about them, my first thought is, now I bet that would be amazing to see it live. <laughs> right, right. Um, so I, I, I was really, I was really, uh, that was my favorite. Um, and my other one, uh, mostly for the storytelling behind it, was the Fifth Dimension stuff. Um, yeah. Not because I actually liked the music, because I think that is some of the most dated kind of music or of its time the age of aquarius mm. stuff right right it's like oh boy that like out of, out of what he decided to share yes yes out of what out of what he shows that feels like the most 1969 70 thing yeah but he reminds us it was the number one song of the year and right which is, <laughs> which, wild. Which is so wild you're hearing them singing you're like really but i love the interviews with the members of the fifth dimension and i love the stories and i well and that's what that's like the people get to see yes like you see them watching themselves yes that was so significant yeah so i love super special i love that he kept that story in there and i've heard him talk about how he had to fight for the fifth dimension stuff and even as someone who oh, interesting yeah because they they his 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 team was like what does this story have to do with everything else and he was like no this this matters mm-hmm. um and and I think that becomes this great emotional piece in it, and um, and it's and it's music I didn't really like, right? So, which is part of the power of the movie is I'm not gonna go. It it forces you to care about something you don't exactly. Otherwise. I'm yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna go look for the fifth dimension on Spotify, but yeah, I might now. <laughs> right, yeah. That, I feel like. Uh, 
whatever you know playlist on Spotify that comes from this movie is going to be very hot. Yes. Right now. Yeah. Summer Soul soundtrack, but um, yeah, that's good. I think I think my favorite performance was actually Oh Happy Day. Oh, that was so great. Like it I mean one there's there's like such interesting storytelling and they're doing the deep dive on the piano player and yeah. like this group of like you know church oh, musicians yes. in, in the middle of Hayden Ashbury, you know, kind of responding to and and oh, like my gosh. making and, music in the middle of the hippie movement like, but they're also like number one on the radio yes the like the church you know? music getting radio play in san francisco crazy yeah. crazy and, and the performance is so sick yeah and it's like and like even the lead singer i forget her name she's like like kind of making a like ugh, this is like filthy how oh, much i'm yes. killing this right now yeah. like face and you're like, man, how far have we fallen? Oh church. church, I know this. This, I, I looked at, I watched this with Megan, and I looked at Megan during the Oh Happy Day, and I'm like, why is this not happening in every church every week? Right. Like this is incredible. Right. And I said, and it's been 50 years, and I would kill to see this on a Sunday morning. Right. And she was even saying like the church didn't like yeah. what we were doing yeah. with our music. But it was it was like more popular with the general population than in the church walls, and, which I feel like is always a thing. And they even like talk for, about for like good art. they wanted that to be part of their like evangelism strategy of like we want right. to make pe- music that people would listen to. That's the thing. Even like like we want to make good art. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's influenced by God, which yeah. you think that would make the best art. I mean, used to. Yeah. You know, and so that was that was just filthy and and like yeah the talent level and having that choir all, all in those green dresses oh it's my just, gosh amazing it's it, yeah it's such a like a little revival on stage yep. um and even seeing the crowd kind of being won over by yeah. some church music at yeah. this thing which cool. i again i'm just picturing like today <laughs> um sweet well let's uh should we get into review yeah. letterbox yeah, review? yeah what was your uh, star review of this i gave it four I was dangerously close to a four and a half, but I, yeah, I kept finding myself like, man, I want, I, I, I rarely say this, but I want the eight part series mm. on this. Mm. I mean, it's a sign of a, you know, well-made movie, so you want more, but that's where I landed. Yeah. I gave it, you know me, always a little more generous. So I did give it four and a half. Um, yep. and for me, I mean, to speak again to the point that you just made, uh, for me, it was a feature that he, I, I was constantly impressed by his restraint and his focus yeah um and i uh, it was such an it it was such an easy movie to watch yeah and especially in this 115 days of summer at least in california go get some relief summer of soul um do we we have one more segment right what are we watching other other movies you've been watching um you you're gonna have to start this because i might not have anything (laughs) i might have one um I rewatched Zero Dark Thirty. You ever see that? Hmm. The no. uh, Bin Laden raid movie. Yeah, I never saw it. Yeah, um, it was my Fourth of July movie. <laughs> uh, Go America, a classic. Yeah. Um, I like Catherine Bigelow a lot. I rewatched The Hurt Locker a couple months ago, and and again, mm. it's kind of same feeling with this. I was just she's a good, she's a really good filmmaker. I was impressed by yeah by. A story that you know how it ends because it ends with Osama bin Laden getting killed, 
Um, right. But it's still tense. There's still drama. There's there's still this great build up. Um, so it's, that's really good. Sweet. Did you watch anything? I, I don't think I did. Oh my goodness. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm just forgetting. But I feel like I've been having a harder harder time. Um, doing the premise, which is like staying up late. <laughs> like yeah. maybe maybe it's the summer, but I'm just drained at the end of the day. No, I definitely feel like it's a little bit of the summer heat stuff. Because yeah, like we're going to bed early lately. Yeah, I just exhausted. I kind of had a uh, personal goal for the year for how many movies I was going to watch. Okay. I I want to. It's like it's about 180 movies. Wow. So it's about one every other day. Um, wow. Which I don't think is that like crazy, like considering I just don't watch TV anymore. No. Well, it's like if that's like what you do you know yeah um but i gotta i gotta watch a certain amount of movies to keep up with that and my june was very light so Mm. um i'm not behind but gotta hit the ground running yeah sweet well i think that wraps up summer of soul okay so i love summer soul go watch it it's on hulu um next week mitchell what are we watching we are watching the new Nicolas Cage, I'm assuming instant classic, Pig. I'm so excited. You know, I don't hear a lot of people talking about this movie. Uh, you're, you're, it doesn't matter. We're going to go see Pig. Okay. Everyone, go watch the trailer for Pig if you're still listening to the pod at this point. It is, first of all, Nicolas Cage. What more do you want? Second of all... He, the the tagline is I, I want my pig back. It's it's like taken, but instead of his daughter being stolen, it's a pig. It's taken plus Mandy, plus mud, <laughs> or not mud. Uh, what's the one he's in? It's called just Joe, I think. Yes. Yeah. It looks insane. It, it, it seems like it's culminating to something pretty cool. It looks insane, but it also looks like it has a level of care and artistry to it that is maybe yeah. uh, not typical with a Nicolas Cage movie these days. It's a baller trailer, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, so we're going to watch Pig. Pig comes out on July 16th, so we are going to—it's it's, going to be in theaters. Uh, so this is like the new era for the pod of sometimes we're going to have to go to the movies. Despite the Delta variant. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so it's it's— it is uh, in theaters Ju- July 16th. Um, we're going to see as soon as we can do the pod. And we may be a little delayed on the pig episode um, because I am traveling this week. Um, and we're going to then – and we're going to try and squeeze in the movie before obviously recording an episode about it. Um, and need to see it in theaters, adjust the timeline a bit. Yes. Because it comes out next week yeah. from the time we're recording this. Correct. So um, – yeah, definitely check out Pig, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it's going to be terrible, and then we'll let you know. Um, otherwise, in the meantime, where can people follow us and uh, check out our Summer of Soul favorite shots and whatnot? On Instagram, at Movies While They Sleep. That's right. And if you feel like inclined and have some time, uh, write us a review and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. We would very muchly appreciate it. That's right. Uh, I think that does it for our episode. Leave us a review. Check out Summer of Soul. And get ready for Pig next week. Good night, y'all. Bye. I got a recorder in the day.